I was in a hospital bed on the phone with suppliers. Like, it doesn't stop. There's no, honestly, there's no luck. There's no luck. You've got to be on it. There's no, there's no margin for error in Jersey. You can't pick up the phone at three o'clock and go, sorry, mate, I fucked up. Any chance you can do me a favor? If you scratch our backs, we'll scratch yours. Because <laughs> I'm fucking bored of not having any stuff. And you know, when you get, when, when we get these nine month worthies people over here, they're so fucking grateful. They're so happy. Their work ethic uh, is amazing and then we transform their lives, not only ours. My guest today is Jamie McDonald. He's the head chef of the Kisa restaurant here in Jersey. He's young, he's talented. Let's hear his story. Thank you for accepting my invitation. No, I really you appreciate you for coming to Hospitality Insights podcast and sharing your story. We just met once at the opening of Trezor in uh, in St. Omin and I, th- I thought that you are a really cool guy. So I'm right. like, I thought we have you on a podcast because same as Tom, I think you kind of like share the same beliefs more or less. Yeah, we we, um, we hit it off pretty quickly, me and Tom, through Cosmin as well. Obviously, it won't. Yeah. And then uh, I remember at the opening, it was just me and you in the corner for two, two <laughs> hours, like the rest of the great and the good. And the- <laughs> yeah, well, that was great because, you know, I, I, I found quite a few quite a few things about you. I mean, I left the industry, what, six years ago so almost six years ago so i kind of lost you know that connection you know with people that are still working and i'm I'm really interested you know finding what people you know been through what they are at this point and so on so that's why i thought that you'll be really uh, an, inter- an interesting character and an interesting you know guest for this for this podcast i want to kind of like find more about yourself i mean you you told me but I want to I want to share this with the listeners and the viewers because we're gonna be both on audio and video format, and just to tell me like how you started in this industry, if you remember your beginning and obviously till today. Yeah, um, my start wasn't overly pretty. I was uh, um, how do I say this? I mean, I was fifteen. I was expelled. I didn't I didn't didn't have anything going for me really. Um, I think I think I was verging on homelessness, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then I, I was knocking on doors asking for jobs, and it was the um, the Ashes, if you're familiar with cricket. Um, I, I'm from Nottingham. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ashes was in Nottingham that week. Okay. It was a head chef of a um, really basic but good, successful tapas restaurant. He'd just taken over the week before. The old head chef took the entire team with him. And uh, his name was Robbie. I've forgotten his surname now. I, I, <laughs> I owe a lot to Robbie. And uh, he he basically said, go, go, go home, come back, uh, plimsolls and a white T-shirt, and you start, basically. And then from from there, Robbie was, he was amazing to me. He, uh, he not only did he help me and guide me, but he basically turned around and went, for what you want, for what you want to get from this industry, we, we can't do that here. And... I worked there for eight months and then he basically sent me off with his blessing to a one star called Hambleton Hall. And he, yeah, yeah, he really just, he, he told me it's like, a, oh, thank God I've got a job to, no, you, you can do a lot more than this and send me packing basically. But for, for, for my benefit, not for him, like, I'm sure he loved it for me to say, you know what the staffing is like, but um, it, it was great of him to do that. So it wasn't something that you always dream of, like being a chef. You're just more of a, like a, a set of kind of like different <laughs> scenarios you know that got you there yeah 100 if it, it may as well have been an, it could have been, it very well could have been a news agent that went yeah cool you start tomorrow and then i would have 
that that'd have been it. I wouldn't have knocked on any more doors. Probably wouldn't have been a chef. But thank God Robbie did. And honestly, I um I owe a lot to that man. I really appreciate it. So that would it. be because yeah, that one of the one of the questions I usually ask, you know, because whether at some point in life you have either a mentor or someone that you wanted to become, like something that you always aspire to be. So that was the starting point. That was probably your mentor at that, at that point. Probably without him, you wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, right? no, no, hundred percent. Um, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily learn how to cook off him, but you I, got the attitude. I got the, the I got the attitude. Got the aspiration. That that was that was from him. Well, it's all about that because the more I talk to people, you know, these days, whether head chef or from other industries, uh, whenever I ask, I mean, we'll get to that. But whenever I ask what what makes a good chef or what what would you like to see in a chef that let's say you employ as a head chef, because you probably go through like tons of interviews and all that. What do you want to see? And most of them are like attitude because I can train him to be a chef, but yeah. I can't train I can't train him to be a team person, to be to have a certain, you know, love for the job or not necessarily just for the job, you know, to collaborate with people because you need to be part of the team. So, yeah, you, you know, better than this. Um, okay, so that was like, yeah, that was. How did you get in Jersey, by the way? Then, um, so I was, uh, I was doing a bit of agency work. I'd done, uh, I, I was helped. Well, originally, the first thing I did is come over to a help run the pastry at Bohemia whilst Steve left with his wife, Ellen, yeah, yeah. um, to take over until he could find his full time replacement. It wasn't meant to be here that long. Covid happened. Uh, been here ever since. So I did, I did probably just over a year there. Then a year at Longville was head pastry, and then now I'm at Keyside as head chef for coming on a year. Such a big skill. I always admire people that want to do pastry because I'm not that disciplined from this point of view. I have a scale that I use once, uh, once a three months. So I'm, I'm the kind of guy, you know, that I would like to live without the scale if possible. But whenever we have, you need scales in the kitchen. You can't, you, especially when, you, when you're a pastry chef, it's probably your best friend. And you always need to measure. You always need to be precise. And it's something that I never really, no, I, I appreciate it. People that can yeah, yeah. do it. But I'm like, you know, it's just not for me. I never yeah. really been interested in making this. I, I know a lot of people that say that. They say it's, um, you lose the flamboyancy. And as, as Marco Pierre White said, uh, cooking is an art, pastry is a science. Um, and there are, there, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but there are elements of truth to that statement. I agree. Um, I mean, the same way that you need to know the temperature for a cuisson on a lamb fillet, you need to know the temperature at which to temperature each type of chocolate. Each different meat will have a different temperature for a certain cuisson. Each type of chocolate will have a certain temperature to temper it. And it, it's, it, it, the skills are transferable, I believe. I think, I think, I think the, the misinformation is that they're not. If you show the same love and dedication and passion, it, it will come back just as much. But it's such an important skill because I, I remember like I was still in the kitchen, not that I talked to Steve, Steve Walker there, I was working at the Royal Yacht, Sirocco at the time. And he was like, when are you going to be a head chef? We had this conversation about desserts that I don't like making desserts and so on. And he was like, when are you going to be a head chef? Do you want your pastry chef to tell you what the menu is going to mm -hmm. be like? Or... You will have your own input or you can obviously it's a collaboration it doesn't mean that you cannot take advice from somebody mm -hmm. but if you don't know what you're talking about it looks kind of weird being in that position of a head chef and not knowing what you're talking about and yeah i i i, I remember that in my and even to this day you know he 
he wasn't that probably inclined of doing desserts, but he kind of like pushed himself all the time to do the pastry session, let's say once or two weeks or once a week to have like still, still kind of like sharpen that, that sword, you know? So the way I, the way I first started doing pastry was, um, so I was working at this really good restaurant. It was a one star in Norfolk, um, called Morston Hall and amazing had chef for the helm called Greg. And uh, Greg wouldn't let anyone leave at the position of junior Sue or above unless they could run pastry for six months. Unless unless he oh, wow. didn't want his name attributed to someone of that seniority who couldn't run a pastry section. And then I quickly realized after I left there and I was able to do shelled chocolates, able to make the majority of things that I still can now, um, and how advanced I was in pastry compared to everyone else. And I kind of used that to my advantage and honed those skills to become a head pastry of somewhere like Longville Manor. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, Longville Manor, is, it's, it's a big name here on the island. I think, if I'm not wrong, it was the first Michelin star place at some point, Michelin star restaurant in, on the island, ages Let's ago, go. I'm sure. But yeah, yeah. they still kept a, high, kept a high standard. They are known for, if not the best, one of the best hotels on the island it looks great good from food to rooms to whatever they offer there the the thing that i loved about longville was the garden it was uh, i mean i i really i really like i was in there virtually every day when i was at longville virtually every day through the summer and it was damned and uh, i mean five different types of plums and i try and do something different with each type apples um Honestly, all the different types of I berries. I heard that they, they have a garden. Is it, is it quite big? Is it, what? Yeah, I think it's a couple, couple. I want to say a couple acres. The the walled garden, and then they've got numerous trees and bushes dotted around the whole estate. Which is so that right at the bottom, I believe the grand the grandfather, um, Mister Lewis, he um, planted ten or twelve plum trees, and I got in half a ton of plums and wow. yeah yeah and uh, we tend to i turned it all into plum puree froze it all down in vat pack bags to make sure every single plum got used and then uh every every other day take a bag out of the freezer make the souffle base that went with the damson and plum sake sauce and chocolate sorbet yeah, yeah. That's such a luxury, you know, having a garden. Well, probably in other countries it's not, but here in Jersey, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I don't, know. I, I don't, I don't think know there are any other else. places. I I've necessarily I heard of know. anywhere else. Yeah, I knew about Longville just because I think it was an article at some point, like I was still working in the restaurant and I'm like, wow, this is interesting. I mean, in Romania, it's probably not that interesting because like I grew up in the countryside. My grandmother from father's side had a garden. My grandmother from my mother's side for whatever you know they all had you know their own and i grew up with with fresh vegetables fresh and it wasn't that big of a, a big of a surprise but here in jersey well i never really grew anything other than you know some parsley that i bought probably from the shop like <laughs> in, the, in the window <laughs> yeah exactly so that's that's huge yeah definitely interesting okay so we're moving a bit more into it because it's the same thing that i talked with tom about and uh, I really think that you guys, with what you're doing and your attitudes, uh, you changing the industry, uh, you kind of like move from the old school. I, I keep saying this, Gordon Ramsay is going to probably kill me sometimes if I get, <laughs> if I ever get big. <laughs> but yeah, from what he's doing, you know, from what he like the shouting and all that, not that he's a bad chef because it's not question that he's a good chef. It's not, 
it's not what I'm talking about. It's just more of like the attitude, you know, towards your staff, the respect you have for them, the way you're kind of trying to form a team, not mercenaries, you know? Yeah, I mean, I grew, I mean, I think me and Tommy, maybe not quite so much with Tommy, but certainly I have. I've seen the old ways. I've I've still got a burn mark on my right arsehole, basically. <laughs> From when I was wow. I was set on fire for prepping something wrong, no. you know. Yeah, I've I've had it all, and um, and I don't. I, I why would I want to do that to anyone? I've no I've no interest in putting someone through what I got put through. It it doesn't it doesn't benefit nobody. Benefits no, yeah, no no one benefits, and it's just it it it, it was it was big men with the brains of small boys doing. So what's, thing, what, they what's the no difference now then that you see, you know, from what, let's say, when you started, when was that, when you, when you first joined the... Ten, year, ten years so ago. So let's say ten yeah. years ago. It's not a huge um, amount of time back, but then if you, I'm sure it was a, a big difference even at that point. Politics. To now. It's politics. It's 100% politics. Um, I myself have been, I mean, I've, we've never lost because we've never done anything wrong at Keyside and we never would, but even though we are a very litigious organization and business that doesn't put foot, feet wrong. Um, we've been in the court 10 or 12 times in, in the wow. year I've been there. And God only knows how the businesses that still operate, like the ones I worked at 10 years ago, how they're faring. Um, and I think, that, I think that it's a good thing though. I'm not saying it's bad, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. And it, it must have put so many people off the industry um, I, I wonder how many people like myself and Tommy, I mean, we're, I keep comparing because we're both 25, we're both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how many people our age have been, were, were put off and I don't blame them. I don't blame them and it's a shame. It's, but put off by uh, like continuing to, to uh, work under this Verbal, pressure. physical abuse. Yeah. The, the, the but then now idea. you see now you see this being you, you see this now with what you guys doing and the shift that's happening obviously that Tom was talking about you see these kind of like stopping and moving to a next level like moving into into uh, a more humane I would say although you know it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that people got killed in the kitchen I mean I don't want to talk at that level but still bullying was like on daily basis and not just bullying because bullying is probably something that it's that's the light. Part. If you say you got yeah, you got I mean, burned, like what, what are we talking about? I mean, here? I mean, there's there's lines. I am a better. I mean, how do I say? I don't want. I don't want to say it's character building because I disagree with that. But I'm definitely a much better person because of what I went through, and I, I, to a certain extent, sometimes I look back and I think, oh my fucking! If I see this guy <laughs> in an alleyway, and then I look back and go, well, I worked for him for two two and a half years three years and I, I look at where I was when I started there and I look at where I was when I left and not only was I a much better chef earning a lot more money able to command much higher positions at much higher salaries I was also a much better person mm. and some of the things he said and did were wrong like just no no <laughs> about it, they were wrong but for me it, it, it worked do you have issues now obviously you're a young chef Tom the same yeah. Getting that uh, respect, you know, from older people from your team, older chefs, older management, or whoever you kind of dealing with. Uh, personally, I haven't really. I mean, I, there were one or two, one or two, but um, now with the team I've got, absolutely not. The ones, a lot of them respect the fact that I've done ten years in 
very high-end restaurants, learning very different things, learning at a much faster pace than any of them. A lot of them that have done times as head chef at smaller restaurants appreciate quite how much I've got on my plate working for someone like Martin with two massive businesses on the go, um, with food costs spiraling into 30 grand a week during the summer and how, how much I've got on my plate trying to keep that whole with a business that employs 70 people. And those people, yeah. those people respect it. They don't challenge the fact that I'm doing the job. They go, rather you <laughs> than me, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, but I guess it comes a lot to the way you treat you. Obviously, you respect, you get respect back. And I think, you know, I see that in, in you and Tom and we can kind of compare it. Yeah, I'd never, throw my, I'd never throw my weight around. And there's a lot of it to throw around. <laughs> <laughs> Life on. Um, how do you find this challenge, you know, now with, because uh, it's something that inevitably we need to talk about, you know, the staff shortage. How do you guys dealing with, how how do you manage this in your It's, uh, I'll be honest, we're uh, one day to the next. We're paycheck to paycheck on the staffing crisis. What we need to do is, so I was just discussing today, we've, we you know, we've got a three bed ready to get um, staff from overseas in we're ready for it like because we can't we've tried our best we've tried and failed our wages are above market they're above what everyone else yeah. is offering like it's quite well known in jersey the quayside's not only the tip structure but the actual wages are above average can't get anyone right okay so let's let's look at getting some staff from overseas we've got a three bed are you working? do you know how long it takes to get them over on the visas just from starting the visa process to them arriving. I don't know. I have no idea. Over, I mean, I three, guess... over three months. Wow. You can over be closed down by then, you know. Over three months. How much How much revenue would that business lose in that three-month process if they can't fully start? And then is a risk. You get them here. Maybe, obviously, they got it all right. They, they might decide, you know what, it's not for me. What then? And then the other, the other thing we've got is... Um, these staffs that these staff that come over for, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a very good friend of mine, um, and he's been over here now for 18 months, I think nearly two years. He's not been able to bring his family over because he hasn't got the right visas to. Imagine he's got he's got a lovely lovely them. lovely wife and two young kids. Obviously, he's been home to see them, but he's over here working his ass off, paying taxes, and he can't have his wife and kids over to show him the lovely beaches. It's wrong. It's wrong. And why would that attract, how, how does that help us attract uh, anyone from overseas when that's what we need to do? There's no other solution to this. The local people aren't interested. We haven't, I don't even know if there isn't enough people in Jersey. Which is stuff. fine if you if you provide the solution, right? We, yeah, which is fine. There's no problem with that. We can't, we can't make anyone cook. But <laughs> the solution is maybe, I think the nine month work visas is a good idea. But it's just been you, poorly executed. Do you work with the Jersey Hospitality Association with this, or you guys bring people on your own? How did you? How do you do? Uh, it's a minefield, and it's one we're only just starting to fully uncover. Uh, we do it ourselves. Do it mm. ourselves. We have to. Because I know, ourselves. I know they trying to get people from is it Bermuda or somewhere. We've got oh. a lot, of, a lot of Kenyans coming over. Um, the major issue I have with the. Uh, with these guys coming over is they're often on visas for other people and because they're on visas for other people they're, they're actually not legally allowed to work for anyone else so they might come over on 48 on a 40 45 hour contract for someone else obviously whilst they're over here they want to get as much money as possible kudos to them yeah i want to help them but they can't work for anyone else so they're free in the evenings 
They have nothing to do. They've got they obviously they can't see the family. Yeah. They can't see the family. They can't. They've got nothing to do. They're over here wanting to make money. I can't. I can't even. They, they can knock in on the door. Can't give them a job. And it's that that that's a shame. So is that what the states could do for this industry? Make these because uh, that was what one of my questions. What 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 do you think the states could do for it? Because they are probably they have the most power. So the state. So we need to a let let's make sure that these people can. As long as they're fulfilling their duties to the to the people who paid for their visas and paid to bring them over, then they should be able to work wherever they want. As long as as, as long as it's with the hospitality or the service industry, um, and then um, we need we need to we need to scale down how long it's taking to get these visas done. It, we've got we've got the rooms waiting. We're there we're there with with the money in hand. We know the we people we want to bring over. Boom. It should just be that simple. Background check, make sure there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah, get them over. Get them over. Yeah. So that would make your life a lot easier, I guess, you know, because that, that is that is this one of the biggest challenges that you're facing at this point? I mean, obviously, yeah, the rise of the cost, the cost. The biggest the issue is stuffing. It is it's been uh, yeah, it's been tough. It's been <laughs> yeah. very tough. And then apart from that, how do you cope with the well, I guess you just kind of like raise the, the the final price in the end. But how do you deal now with with the changes of the prices as a head chef? Because they change it, they change probably on daily, it's, weekly basis. It, it's it's a it's a weekly change, and um, I mean a lot of businesses. For example, right, so lobsters when I started about a year ago were eighteen pounds a kilo. Just before New Year's Eve, they hit thirty five. Yeah, wow. so nearly doubled in price nearly doubled in price in the course of seven and eight months how can we can't we can't charge 90 pound for a lobster you know yeah. like no one's nobody will even no, touch no, yeah and everyone everyone will everyone will have you know you'll be slated on so do you good go or bad for business jersey do you go for cheaper ingredients then is that no 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 and and this this is where quayside i think does slightly better than its competitors we still have fresh lobsters in daily we cook them ourselves. We don't. We don't get the pre-cooked picked meat. We do it all ourselves. Meat-wise, we're getting Slaney Valley Gold hung. I'm constantly on the phone to Easy Mind getting the best quality. Um, like we even we we stock caviar. We stack. We stock foie gras. But the same as a lot of the biggest and best restaurants you'll find. Um, we have the same produce, if if not genuinely some better sometimes. So do you try to absorb them somehow in the course? So let's say. You probably get a smaller margin from the lobster, but maybe with people buying a drink and so on, you try to kind of absorb in like in of the overall cost. hundred percent. This is quite a unique business, I think. You said our, our gross profit is far lower than I reckon any of our competition, um, and that's because Martin is a very generous man. I don't think a lot of people see it. Um, he, by all rights, should be charging ten to fifteen percent more for the dishes, in my personal opinion, and and that, that's clearly shared by all of our competitors because that's yeah. what everyone else is doing. And he's not doing it to undercut them. He's not doing it for any other reason. He just thinks people should be out to, should be able to go out Do for a very good meal for a fair price. And I don't think he's necessarily interested in exploiting as much bit money as possible out of the business. For example, uh, the ribeyes that I mentioned, that honestly, they're incredible. I'll show you some photos after. They're phenomenal mm-hmm. that we're getting in. And they're twice the price, twice the price of what our competitors are buying. 
And I know, I, for example, a local restaurant was came in and borrowed some ribeyes, and I was absolutely gone. There's there's ten steaks. See through the evening. Bring them back on Monday morning when you get your delivery yeah. in. Um, and they brought back these pre-cut vat packs. Honestly, wow. I gave them to the staff. I was like, I can't use that. <laughs> I can't use that. It looked like a beef curtain, <laughs> not a ribeye. And they're like, oh, the dry age. I was like, yeah, because they are. Mate. <laughs> so is that what what? Would you say sets uh, Keyside apart from other restaurants? A hundred percent. Is it? You know, we're not we're not ninety pound a head one star food. I've done that for ten years. I know what it is. We're not that. Um, what we are is honest food done really, really simply. You know, you want a lobster and garlic butter sauce. You're gonna get the best lobster. You're gonna get the best lobsters. Proper white wine sauce. None of this boxed cooking <laughs> yeah. wine. It's uh, it. it it's unglamorous. I'll, I'll say that it is unglamorous, in my opinion. But it's it's humble and it's yeah. it's delicious. Yeah, I mean it's probably value for money in the end, you know, because you 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 want kind of that as well in, into the plate. If you guys saying you know that you know the profit is not. I mean, obviously a business needs to run. You know, yeah, you have yeah. to make profit. There's no question about it because otherwise, how can it sustain? You know, the 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 whole structure. But in the end, you know, it's a bit of both. It's a bit business, but in the same time. Let's get people enjoy. Let's get you know offer an experience. They will come back. They will spend more with us in the future and so on. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I constantly, particularly recently, constantly have all the sales reps, all the suppliers coming down and telling me, "You are the busiest restaurant in Jersey." That might not be the case during the summer when you got the big four hundred cover restaurants in the hotels, but if you just take an average of the year round, it's key side. We are. We're still plucking other numbers even well, even in january february no one else is the best count close, you apparently. probably can do is during this time because summer you get tourists you know that they probably come once they will fill up your place but not just because they they didn't enjoy the place it will not come back but they just probably never going to come back to jersey yeah, yeah. it's now when it's probably the hardest time to see like who's full who's not it's it's, it's now when you kind of like we're busy come. we are busy there's no <laughs> so all you need is now bring more stuff Yes, 100%. If anyone's looking, come and see me. Yeah, it's, it's, it must be complicated because uh, I think that's when quality in some situations, I'm not saying in your situation, but sometimes with other restaurants goes down the hill when you kind of like, you have, let's say at the beginning, you have a team of 10 chefs and then after you drop to eight, you drop to six. I mean, it's just almost impossible to keep the same keep the same kind of like uh, quality from, you know, the way you prepare, let's say you make a stock, like, you know what, today I can't be bothered, you know, to stay another, do 14 hours or 12 hours or how many hours to work because we don't have staff. I'm just going to buy something today. And then it slowly kind of the quality don't goes down the hill. I, I, I mean, I can see that happening. It's never been me. When, when we've been short staffed and I've, I've bit the bullet. I, just I've, do I've done I've done ninety hour weeks there when 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 I have to but at the same time when we're fully staffed and we're not stupidly busy I'll happily only do 40, 35. Yeah, trying to balance got to balance it out rough with a smooth but yeah when it when it hits the fan it's on me <laughs> ninety hour weeks you know I'll be there at three in the morning passing bisque off like it's yeah it's, it's, if it's needed it's, it's, needed. it's needed it's needed doesn't it doesn't matter yeah but there's something to appreciate because. Um, especially at, at your age and I see that you know the great attitude you've got towards work and towards like it's, it's your name on that but whichever the dish is 
going out the kitchen. So you care about that. And it's not that often that we see that. Um, yeah, and it, it's a shame in the same time because even from like other head chefs, I'm not saying that the one I invited because I genuinely believe that the people I had here so far, they all care about what they serve and the way it looks and the way, you know, it, it feels like the whole experience. But I think, you know, other chefs, you know, they just don't treat this that seriously, you know. It's like, oh, we don't have stuff. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll just drop the, the standards, I guess. So what, what can you do? But yeah, it's something to appreciate for sure. How do you get, how, is there a challenge uh, getting ingredients here on the island? How do you, how do you cope with that? Because that's probably another issue. I'll be perfectly honest. I'm just on it. I, I've, I've got, I'm on the phone with suppliers for at least an hour every day. I've just been really, I, I mean, I recovered three days ago, but last week I had uh, norovirus. I was I actually, I was in hospital with dehydration. Uh -huh. I was in a hospital bed on the phone with suppliers. Like it doesn't stop. There's no, wow. honestly, there's no let up. There's no let up. You've got to be on it. There's no, there's no margin for error in Jersey. You can't pick up the phone at three o'clock and go, sorry, mate, I fucked up. Is there any chance you can, yeah. any chance you can do me a favor? And there's three people within driving distance that will have whatever it is you're looking for. I'm, I, I have set dates for set things to arrive every week, like creedy covered duck breasts, like, I have 100 arriving then, 80, 83 days later, 83 days Just later. to make sure that you have the constant flow? Is yeah, that what? yeah, yeah. Just wow, to make sure that always there. that's a different approach. You need to do I've, that. Um, I'll always ensure with, uh, you know, easy mind, we've got the, the right revise at the right date. So make sure uh, it's, um, but it's across the board with everything. Absolutely everything. Even looking at the Christmas, New Year time, when obviously the boats don't go out, having to organize the fish up to 10 days in advance, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was a logistical nightmare. But I was on it from the start of December. It wasn't something that I thought about the week before. It was I need a seven kilo halibut. Then I'm going to need about three hundred bass. Then I'm probably going to need two hundred bass over two hundred bass for that week. I'm probably going to need between five and six hundred bream over the course. You know what I mean? I was making these phone calls um at the start of December just to make sure everything was in place. Because we are such a big restaurant. No one in Jersey is carrying the kind of stock it would require to keep us afloat. Like I mean, my veg bill was like five hundred pounds a day. Like if I'm not on top of that, no one no one carries that. No one carries that. But yeah, going back to the stuff stuff thing, you know, because I think you know I keep talking to to people, you know, from the industry and some 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 of them, you know, that are more of the older kind of like generation. They say, you know, that it's not the, the industry used to be kind of like sexy, it used to be sexy being a chef, it used to be cool being a chef. But now it seems to be like a secondhand job in certain situations, almost depending on levels and so on. Mm -hmm. But for someone starting, do you have any advice on how to get in, into it? Would you recommend going through school? Would you recommend going straight to to a re into a restaurant? Honestly, um, I, I hate it. I mean, I never went to college, but I hate the idea of it. When I was 19, I'd been in one stars for probably just over three years. And I had guys who'd done three years at college coming to me uh, when I was, I think, what was I? I'd been a senior chef to party, maybe a chef to party, around that. And people coming in asking for CDB roles. Hmm. And it was like, watching them work and it was like they had no idea they were they were an apprentice still. Yeah. they were still still an apprentice 
and they had they, they thought they'd had this brainwash that they did three years at college. Oh, well, that's it. I'm a chef to party now. No, not <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Doesn't yeah. work that way. You, you, you've learned. You learn as much in those three years as I did in six weeks. It's true, yeah. When getting into, I mean, I, I, I would same talking to Tom. Going back to conversation, we were like kind of agreed on on certain stuff like HACCP and all that part. You know that it was it was good, but on the other hand, you know, I talked to Steve and he was like, he came on the with the other with, with the different angle. It was like. But yeah, but now these days, you know, you can organize one of these courses just for your staff specifically and get it done this way. And I'm like, okay. So I've found, yeah, I've, I've just taken the same route as Steve by the sounds of it. I've just found at Mercury. I've got Mercury coming out of the sales reps to give a full hack up um, demonstration to the entire team. Obviously, I've got one, but yeah, um, just to make sure everyone knows. Boom. That's an hour, an hour out of the morning. As I said, hour out of the morning. How many days were they doing that at college? It was, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was a bad choice because I'd done college in the same time as Tom here, just like part time once a week. It wasn't full time. It was fun. It, that was the good part of it. We were, me and Tom both we were going with one knife. So we literally were sharing a knife in between us and then just cooked that way. It was crazy, man. <laughs> Honestly, it was fun. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, I. I can't say that, you know, you learn a huge amount of things, you know, it's just because working in Ormer at the time, Michelin star place, going to the college, it felt a bit like going down the hill, but it was great fun. From that point of view, I would say, yeah, totally. But yeah, you learn a lot more in the kitchen. I, I mean, what was I going to say? Um, well, when I was, I was head pastry of a restaurant and one of the lads was asked to do third year pastry at college. They're like, oh, we want you to do third year. And he went, why? He, he, he turned around to them and he just gave them the honor. Why would I waste 30 hours a week coming to college, not getting paid, to learn from someone who quite possibly doesn't know as much as the person who I can work for, get 18, 20,000 pounds for that year. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll learn a lot more because not only is that person probably better, but I'll be there twice as much. Yeah, I mean, it comes a lot to, I guess, what level you are when you when you have this question in mind, I guess. Uh, for me, I, 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 it didn't matter what I was going to do. I was going to make sure I got to near the top of the field. I, I, I wouldn't have been happy just, just, just to sit around and plod along. I wanted to make sure I was somewhere by twenty five. I, I, and if you want to be a chef and you want to get somewhere by twenty five. Get, find your nearest one star, knock up, ask for a job. I promise you they'll take you on. I promise you they'll take you All on. All you tomorrow. need is the right attitude. Yeah, I just, guess, right? just knock knock on the back door. Sorry, chef, can I have a job? Perfect, you start tomorrow. I guarantee you that'll be the, I guarantee you that's how it'll go down. You go there and you just work and you work and you work. You get knocked back, you get up, you go back. It's it, it's as simple as that. You do that, you do that for 10 years and you decide actually mission star food isn't for me. Fine. That that is fine. But you are miles ahead of your competition who worked in the said, I don't know, tapas restaurant for, for 10 years because of the experiences you've got from from that background. You command a higher position, a higher wage, a higher living standard, effectively. Um, and that's why it doesn't matter. I don't think it really matters what you, what your end goal is. You, you you know, if you say, say you go down that route for 10 years and then you decide that you want to do uh, a mediocre tapas. I keep using it for example. Um, I saw more 
four-year aged blackfoot iberico legs of ham in english one-star restaurants <laughs> than i've ever seen in tapas restaurants i saw more mangalitsa pork loins in one-star english restaurants than i ever have on a menu because the standard is so just so Cause high. The, yeah you know you, you want to go oh let's let's put some pork on and it's like What's the best pork we can get? Oh, it's the Spanish mangalitsa. Let's get that. And you get it, it's got three inches of fat around the loin and it's like, it's this very special thing. And, it's, and uh, you'll get that experience that you won't get from... And, and, and the skills are transferable, you know, when you go back to the basic pork loin that you get from the local butcher. Yeah, totally. But it gives you those options. It gives you those options. For example, at Quayside, I mean, nothing outrageous, nothing stupidly difficult. But when Martin goes, I want something special for this person or oh, Valentine's Day or New Year's, I want a seven course menu with content. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. If you never were to that standard, you will never have that ability. You won't, you won't learn how to do a chicken and Madeira consomme working at somewhere like Keyside. You have to work somewhere a bit better, a bit with a bit higher standard. But you learn those things and then when you're at the right point in your life, you can go, actually, I'm happy cooking these really good steaks mm-hmm. and these lobsters, like doing it with a bit of salad and parmesan. Like, the, the, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think to get, even if that's where you end up and that's where you want to end up, you've still got to walk the road of the one stars. And I, I, I won't change on that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would almost just for like, I can't remember, it must have been, five months six months or seven months or something like that i can't remember exactly i'm always bad i mean i can i can get people to roast me whether it was five six or <laughs> i just don't remember stuff you know that well uh but it was a great experience i always wanted to be i was like i want to see i want to see how this runs i want to see the standard i want to see you know what makes this different it was it was great it was hard work oh my god it was like probably the hardest and it, it wasn't just well i enjoy working with most of the team Sean was, wasn't my favorite, you know, I can say it, you know, no problem. <laughs> it's not something that I will hide. Uh, but luckily, you know, Tom was still there at the time. There were still a few guys that were actually quite good. Head Chef Lee, I'm not sure if you ever met him. Yeah, he left actually the island a while back. He was a great guy. So that was like kind of like what kept me going. But once I got to it, not that I got to a level. I just, you know, felt like, you know, this was something that I always wanted to do. I've done it. And then I move on somewhere like kind of, below but going to some more of a like management position or like sous chef yeah and that's what chef. i mean that six months there advanced oh. you oh my it was it was great yeah it, it really gave me so much and it's the confidence as well once you go from there to somewhere lower you you know that you are ready for a variety of jobs and you know i've yeah I mean, pastry's never been obviously my priority and i never really want to get wanted to get into it but at some point i ended up you know being a head chef myself so i'm like okay like get the pastry book out and let's just do it you know what are you gonna do about it now you know it's not like there are other options i even more long as a head chef uh because i switched career entirely so i'm not in the hospitality anymore but it, it's, it's difficult you know like managing people it's not just the cooking because I was telling to Tom and to the other guys, cooking is the romantic part. You know, that's the easiest part of the job. So for people that don't really understand what your 12 hours or how many hours in a day job, you know, at work, apart from cooking, because what people need to also know, I mean, I'm not saying that they need to kind of like cry because chefs, you know, they're in a terrible situation sometimes, which it happens. 
but it's a lot more than the cooking and it's a lot more hard work than that. And not just for the head chef, but obviously for the rest of the stuff. But specifically for head chef, what, what's your job in a day, for example, going in the morning to work till evening, apart from, apart from cooking? Right, so get in, check the orders, um, phone the suppliers. There's always issues. There's always, there's always <laughs> a few things missing, not turned up, not available. Phone around, see who else has got what. Look at, oh my God, what's the price? Jesus. <laughs> phone, of the, phone of the competition. Is this, is that right? Is that, yeah, they're having me on, aren't they? They're fucking having me on. <laughs> right. I'm not paying that for that. Well, you can either come and collect them or you give me the right. Okay, cool. And then staff issues. That's, that's straight away then. It's, when's the tips going to be ready? Oh. Jamie, I'm missing two hours off my pay last week. Jamie, my brother's got a bad leg. Can't convince it. Jamie, my daughter's sick. I've got to go pick her up from school. And then deal with those issues. And then by that time, it's half 11. I have half an hour to set up my <laughs> section for lunch. Um, and then bang on 12 o'clock, 12.15, just as a the owner comes and grabs me, <laughs> takes me downstairs. <laughs> oh, we've got, to, we've got to fucking sort this shit out. We've got to talk about this. And then we sort out whatever that problem is. By that time, it's one o'clock. I walk back upstairs. Everyone's looking at me like, fuck have you been? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And then the ticket rails for oh, shit. Smash that out. Um, and then, oh no, the KP's bloody just trapped his fingers in the door. And he's broken. Reports. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fill out the accident report book. I had to walk into a and walk into a and come back, wash the rest of the pots because everyone else is, uh, and then everyone else has gone home, wash the pots, then do the actual prep I should have been doing in the morning through the afternoon. Uh, half five comes around, uh, and then it's just dinner service. Pretty normal for the evenings for me, actually. Uh, just do dinner service, have a big clean down, do the EHO books, um, and call the orders through until like 11. And then the following morning start again? All over again. All wow. over again. Yeah. I struggle, as I say, I struggle to get the mornings off, but I can get the evenings. Yeah. Get the evenings. Because these mornings where pretty much everything kind of happens, like yeah. especially suppliers orders and making sure that everything comes okay. Staff issue. But just, even when I was even when I'm sick, you or I'm ill or I can't actually work that day, I go in there at ten AM and look I stay there for ten minutes, right. Everyone to has everyone else turned up, right? Everyone else has turned up. Right. <laughs> That's okay. a bonus, all right. <laughs> what's up with, what's up with the orders? Okay, right, I'm off. <laughs> <coughs> I can't be here. But um, it's uh, it's the, the evening. By the time it gets to the evenings, I have very minimal head chef problems. I've sorted them all out by then. But the prep, the and the reason I often have to work through most days is because the prep that should be designated to that section that I'm on for that day, I physically can't do it in the morning. Yeah. Well, if you have like that many things to worry about when it comes to whether staff whether complaints sometimes whether like meeting the manager meetings in general you know obviously it's not something that and it's it's something that you know it's not that's probably another difference which i never actually experienced because when i started it was already kind of like all over the place most of the head chefs i work with they were kind of doing a section they were there was no it wasn't just like oh i'm gonna sit at the pass swipe right swipe left a bit of puree and 
I'll see you guys later. It's so it was so much more. And even that segmentation in between sous chef, uh, so for example, a yeah, commis chef, chef de party, demi chef, and all that, it kind of went everybody was doing everything just because you know you had no other options. So it wasn't just like Oh, the pastry chef probably is going to do just pastry and just light kind of a bit in the other section. You kind of needed to be the jack of all trades just because there is no other way with shortages of staff and so on. I Actually, I don't think I ever work in the kitchen where, where let's say, or maybe probably you did, uh, where the commie chef was basically just kind of like a part of, it was just kind of helping the, the chef de party or the sous chef. No, I never, I in, I never worked in kitchens that big, but I, the kitchens I worked in, there was often one or two commies, but they just got passed around like ragdolls. <laughs> you were the garnish chef for an hour, and then he's like, oh, God, go join the sauce chef. Do, get, do a few jobs for him, and then they do a few jobs for him. Like, oh, all right, get yeah. a few jobs for pastry, and then peeling grapes and pastry for two hours. Uh, jump on pots for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was a lot of the that, that, That's but. Again, that's not. It's to be, not bad. It's yeah, not bad. That, as, a, as I was about to say, it's not. It's not to be derogatory to them. It's not. It's not. That's how you learn. Yeah, that's how you learn. As long as there is respect. Yeah, and all yeah. That, it, it's, it's, it's all good. When I say getting passed around like a rug doll, pass around like a lit spliff, it's just. <laughs> it was. It was a good way of doing. Oh, cool! I've never prepped salsify before. Right. Well, peel four buckets, and then this is how you peel it. You got to keep it in lemon water, otherwise yeah. it goes right. Oh, yeah. they've learned something there. And then they go over to the meat and fish section. And they go, oh, I want you to do me three different... I've got to make three different stocks today. Do me three different types of miracle. I need one for the fish, one for the meat, one for the chicken. And then they learn that the difference that the white chicken doesn't have carrots in. And that the, the fish one or the bisque one has like some fennel and maybe some tomatoes if it's bisque. You know what I mean? And they learn that and then they go over to pastry. And it might just be something meaningless like chopping up strawberries to make the jam for the breakfast. But they learn how to make the jam. Yeah, and they so, go on the pots and learn a bit of being humble. But <laughs> yeah, I know it's 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 definitely a progression, and it's great to kind of experience doing a bit of this, a bit of that, and sometimes you know even kind of like it's going to give you the idea of what you want to do when when you get bigger. Let's say maybe maybe you're you're once you get to the pastry session, you see how the jam is done. Maybe you know what pastry is what I want to focus on, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't know the rest. But yeah, I, I can't remember seeing what was, I, I never, I can't remember seeing, you know, this, this kind of like uh, granular kind of like difference in between, in between sections, in between everybody's I, I used doing to, I, I love doing it. Even, even as a sous chef, as a head pastry, I, if we got work experience, oh, I'll go and patch up, I'll tell you about that one. Um, <laughs> but I used to love taking them around. Oh, this is the larder fridge, you know. Have you ever tried caviar? I, just, I can't give you much, but you know, here's just yeah. like six, seven balls. Try the caviar. You ever eaten crab? Oh, here's some fresh picked crab. Let's go over to the meat section. Oh, but you've never seen a whole hind quarter of a cow and you open the fridge and it's like this giant. And they're like, wow. And then she's back into it. And they're like, oh, what are you making? And I was like, oh, I'm making the sake. You ever tried sake? It's the nature of 15. <laughs> trying like the the dry sake and I was like, oh, this is the sweet one we use in pastry. Like, the plum, like, maybe maybe I tried things. the really bad one, but <laughs> sake is not my favorite for some reason. I probably oh, tried I'll, some really bad you, one. You know, you know, one of my favorites is the. I mean, I think you're friends with Radu. Uh, well, not necessarily friends, but I know him. I know him. If you go, well, what's it called? Mind escapes. Me. Well, his last name. No, no, no. His restaurant. Uh. I think he was. Coyote. 
Ah, you mean Mihai? Oh, Thank Mihai, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 sure, yeah, I'm, I am. Sorry, yeah. Radu. No, no, all good. They have, yeah, there they is a there is a guy Radu, which is that's why where I got confused. I yeah, th- he he stocks it. It's um, a Yuzu sake. Honestly, I can drink it like lemon lemon water. It's just just goes by. It's so clean. they've got quite a few varieties there. Yeah, and I I, I'm with you actually. I, I didn't really enjoy it until recently, and then the thing that made me start enjoying it is I spent way too much money. Uh, omakase sushi restaurant in London called Arakai. Uh, it used to have three Michelin stars. And I, I, I went, you know what, sort of, I'm only going to be here once and spent another 500 <laughs> quid on the sake pairing. And it was, it was special. It, like the varieties, I'd say, are actually more pronounced than the varieties you get with wine. Wow. It's, uh, it, yeah, I only tried it once and then uh, it was like a staff party, something like that. And we were at Soy here. We ended up there. I can't remember. And it was, I think you have two options, warm or cold, if I'm not wrong, or something like that. Yeah, um, warm, warm or chilled, yeah. yeah. Warm or, yeah. Pretty much. I can't drink the warm ones. I tried the warm ones thinking like, you know what, this sounds interesting. And we had we had it warm and it, it's, it has such a weird taste. And I'm sure like, you know, I'm always doing something wrong. Or, you know, like sometimes you just don't pair, like the food you're eating, it just doesn't work with the drink. So I think it probably was a bit of that. I'm sure I'm gonna give it, you know, a, a, a better chance in the future. Yeah, I, I try the easy one from me, hi. That's um. I'll, I'll give you a go. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going there tomorrow because they start their uh, Japanese Sunday roast tomorrow. Oh yeah. Yeah, it'll be good, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to <laughs> that it. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, you check on their on their Facebook page. It's really. I'll, it's, I'll be honest, me, I won't mind me saying, but um, the amount of money I spend there, Jesus Christ! <laughs> every you know, every night off I get, I'm either going out with my wife. Or if I'm at home, I'm not cooking. I'm, yeah. It sounds really bad. I've never been like this before. But it's probably because I've never had this kind of money before. But <laughs> even if I just have a night at home, Kyoto takeaway, I'll spend, I'll get a load of sushi. My wife always has the uh, chicken katsu curry. Yeah. And honestly, the takeaway man's just fucking bored <laughs> of going to where I live. Every he time. Knows exactly he knows exactly. Like, he's like, I'll get out of the car. Can you meet me on the st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. One. I like the the pork katsu. The cat, it's called different. Ah, I can't remember exactly. Is, the is name, it the one with ramen? It's it's no the pork the not that's cashew. Tonka, I tonkatsu. think cashew something. Oh, yeah, tonkatsu exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I always get these messed up. But yeah, I like the pork. I'm I'm Romanian, you know. We eat a lot of pork in Romania, so I'm I'm treating it as a schnitzel more than anything else. <laughs> so yeah, it's but it's great. Yeah, I like, and the portions are decent. And mm. I think the price is fair. So cheap. Yeah. I keep saying to him. Mihai, put your prices up. <laughs> I said to him, I think these Japanese Sunday roast, uh, I'll show you some pictures after that. I mean, you can find him on his Facebook. Uh, I think he's going for like two people for 52 quid. It's a lot of food. It's like the whole yeah, yeah. table is full, filled up with food almost. You'll see like when I'm, when I'm going to show it yeah, to you. Yeah, go on. I'll, uh, I'll but I think that there's going to be something. It's just pork, but it, it might be something that, 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 that'll be interesting, you know, the way he, he's doing it. And I like that he's trying different things. I guess, you know, from working, you know, under someone's command in a way, you know, working for, yeah. for being an, just an employee, basically, and having your own restaurant, you have a lot more flexibility. Because in the end, you know, it doesn't work. It's, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's an, a massive issue in Jersey. And it's why there's very little innovation in Jersey. There's very little new or exciting things. And it's often because the owners 
I've done what they've done for 20 years. It's worked for 20 years. Why are we going to change? Mm. And we need more small independent restaurants with people behind the helm, such as me, hi, doing different things, not just... Doing what they want and what they want. Whatever it is. Patana, another brilliant example. Well, you are, I think, the third or fourth person that I talks about it. And I'm, oh, I'm yeah. kind of intrigued now. I need to, to check this out. Tom you, was mentioning also about well, it. Well, me and him went there together. Oh, you well. both went together, yeah. <laughs> me and, nice and uh, the owner of Homefield. He might be a good... He might, he'd be a very good guest, actually. Okay, perfect. Yeah, really, I'm I, I don't, you're a um, similar podcast in the UK often get in. Well, not often, but they'll often have special programs with um so have you ever watched and listened to the nightcap no i'm actually terrible on consuming i'm yeah, yeah. i could produce quite a lot so it's very similar it's very similar very yeah similar. I, I definitely they'll, want they'll to get, get these in, people they'll get um they'll get uh you know the head of uh, it's, it's called flying fish in the uk and they are the biggest to all the michelin stars all of them and uh he, they got them in and then but I, th- I think it'd be a good guess. What's your relationship with the suppliers? Are you in good? I, like, I, I like to think, yeah, yeah. I like to think good. Um, I'll tell them as it is. If I'm not happy, <laughs> I'm not happy. At the end of the day, I'm the customer. Um, mm. But Paul, as a Paul from Homefield, great. He's uh, he's doing amazing work there. Uh, I I love Amar at United. He's a good, great character. What the Samandis? I tell you what, Samandis. I don't know the owners. Never met them. Probably never will. But my sales rep is also called Radu from Romania. I don't know if you know him. Uh, probably. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, Radu is quite a Romanian name, so it's he's he <laughs> he has he he won me over big time. And I'll be honest, we probably spend near a thousand pounds a day during the summer with them because he's there because he is there because if the second deliveries come at half one and it's not right. They send the wrong thing or it's shit. I phone phone Radu and Radu drives to the warehouse, opens it up, delivers it in the back of his own car. Sorry, mate, it wasn't right. And collects the thing that's wrong. No one else will do that. And that is worth more to me than... It's all about the customer satisfaction in the end because you can rely on them if something goes wrong. And then when you, when next time, let's say you, I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Next time when you want to buy, you have two different prices. Maybe they are just a touch more. Yeah. You will probably go it's, for them just because it. you know that's the that, that offer. That service can... is, oh, it, it, it's worth so much. It's worth so much. It doesn't matter what it is, when it is. I know that that restaurant is covered. I could be off. I could be on holiday. They could phone it. Jamie, we fucked up. We haven't got this. It could be for four o'clock on the Saturday. I could, it'd be a favor to pull in, but he'd never say no. And that that that's why we use them a lot. Well, that's good. So what? Are these your so two main suppliers? You have Homefields, you have Simandes, and who do you United. well? I mean, they do quite a lot already. Simandes, when I left, they were like going emerging into our, like other products and they were expanding like crazy. They're massive, but and then Easy Mine I use for the uh top quite it's Slaney Valley Gold Irish beef. It's 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 better than, better than anything else I've, I've had recently, particularly the ribeyes. The rib, but here's one thing that grinds my gears. Although we do use them for fillet, and they are expensive fillet. <laughs> Beef fillet is one of my most hated things ever. I just wow. We had a heated I conversation. Never... Me and Tom about well, him was more about. Uh, he was kind of like no, I angry. It was it was just like it was like it's something that puts him off. You know, like he, I, I bet if someone like him with a small menu, I bet it fucking annoys him the fact that he, it's always got to be there. He, I, I'm because yeah. I, I know I think a lot of other restaurants that I've worked on similar to that. They have the same mentality. Oh, we have to have beef with it. And it's like, 
it's fucking irritating for people like me because I'd never order one. I'd never want to eat one. Even even at work, you know, I go, I can eat one whenever I want. I never would. The ribeyes, however, phenomenal. It, even a, I'd, ra- I'd rather eat a sirloin over a... Yeah. I mean, you were saying that, you know, the, the Jersey market is not... It's not open to new and it's, it's got so many difficulties you know on putting something new in the menu uh, apart from obviously when it's got like set menu specials uh, parties yeah. private parties and so on because people are, aren't just are just not open to new you know they they will just go for whatever they feel just comfortable with you know sea bass fillet chocolate brownie let's see <laughs> yeah like well <laughs> it's um it was certainly something I struggled with a little bit when I was head pastry at Longfield, which is an old institution. Um, however, the owners were very welcome into it because they were massive foodies. They were massive foodies. Um, they knew they knew what I was talking about. They knew what I wanted. They knew that they saw my vision. They were they were nice people, really nice people. Guests, however, didn't. The amount of substitutions I got on everything because. Oh, what, I don't, I've never heard of that. I'm not eating that. What's this? What's this sake? What's this? Oh, I don't want chocolate sorbet. Can I have chocolate ice cream? Oh. Like, they don't get, they don't understand this. It's different fat track. contents. And the, you know what I mean? It's actually the texture that you want, not the, and, and the flavor. And the combination of, let's say, the sorbet with whatever other ingredients yeah. works better than with and, ice cream, probably. And, and they're, oh, they're like, there was, there was quite a few things. I showed you the I did. There were so many. Have a you had any like there. crazy complaints going into this? You know, like have you had like any crazy complaints in your career that you can remember now? Because I'm sure there were a lot, probably just and some of them. I'm not we saying we couldn't do a Bernays dairy free. Well, <laughs> that was well that was, because I said around I said around mayonnaise. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea what she wanted. No, to this yeah. day, it makes no sense. I, I sh- I'll be honest, whenever we get a complaint, I very rarely struggle to find it out without some kind of justification. I find it very upsetting when cuisants of steaks come back wrong. When the, oh, this is overcooked. Because like, people don't perfect. understand sometimes, you know, what they're ordering. Is that what the problem is? I think people have different perceptions on what things are. So for some people, medium rare is... A little bit flabby in the middle. For some people, it's like that perfect pink throughout, which is for me. And for some people, it's still got that grey line around the outside. And we'll do it properly, which is that even pink throughout. And the people who prefer it a little bit rarer, even though they've asked medium rare, yeah, it's overcooked. And the people who prefer it with that grey line, I've had people who request their duck breast medium rare, and I'm like, wow, right. <laughs> Nah, you can't eat. I was like, I was, I said to him, I was like, nah, it's, it's going to be chewy. I was like, you can't. Pink, yes, I love it pink throughout. But if that, that same cuisson on a piece of beef, you'd call it medium. Um, and they're looking at this, and I'm like, I served it. I was like, I know this is coming, but I can't eat that. Yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was sealed, you know, it was pink. But it, yeah. it was like, it's a safe flabby. to eat in a way. It, yeah. I know, it's safe to eat. I mean, but it was flabby. And I was like, because that's how duck is, unless you cook it that t- to medium. And then I was, it came back, I fucking knew it would. <laughs> I remember it was doing, well, the, the craziest one I ever heard, you know, a request. It wasn't a complaint, it was a request. Uh, there was a French gentleman or lady, I can't remember, it doesn't really matter. I was doing breakfast, I was doing some part-time at the time, just before, just between switching 
to IT, from, from kitchen to IT, I was doing a bit of part-time just for like a few more months after that. Uh, and someone was asking for bacon raw, but like, you know, the bacon you're getting, it's not, it's not that high end bacon, you know, that's properly cured and all that, you know, it's this pack with, I don't know, 10 quid, I don't know how many rushes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he was asking for that and they were eating raw bacon. I'm like, what's going on with people? Yeah, so raw bacon, they literally, I'm like, you sure? I mean, I, I kind of had second guesses giving him, you know, I might kill him, but then in the same time, he's cured, but he's not good. I'm like, yeah, go for it. if you, if Whatever you, you want. Bacon. Yeah, so, yeah, it was weird. I'm like, who eats raw bacon these days? I mean, I get it, you know, when you're, oh, maybe this is a bit too cooked, you know, it's too crispy. I get that, you know, it's a personal preference, but going raw the way that was extreme to me. How do you see, I mean, yeah, going back to it, uh, how do you see the customers changing? Like, or do you see them changing over the years? Like, for example, 10 years ago when you started, to what customers are today? Do you see a, a change from that perspective? Or? Um, dietary is massive. Can't, used to just forget about it. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, a lot more demanding. A lot more demanding, particularly in Jersey. And this is what I put it down to. If at birth you you are given a title of entitled, you grow up with that in your veins. I'm telling you, and that that's that's a big thing over here. Um, it's so demanding a lot of people who unjustly so. Um, we also have people know a lot more now. People, I'd, I'd say the vast majority of customers know a lot more. Is Thanks. that good or bad? I think it's good. I think it's yeah. good. Because I, I, I had this conversation with, with, with Monvina in the morning. He was saying exactly the same thing. So probably they kind of educate themselves. So that probably helps. TV, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's every, the information's everywhere these days. You know, you can buy three different gelling agents at Waitrose. You know what I mean? They've got three different grades of steak. They've got bloody... <laughs> oh, it's such truffle pecorino. Like it's, yeah. And, um, so the variety is there. It's in everyone's faces. It's in your face these days. It is in your face. Okay, going back to ingredients. Do you have certain local ingredients that you love here? And you that you, for example, that's a priority for you to add it to a menu. Do you have something like this? So the majority of our, a lot, well, a lot of our menu is local. So all all the seafood, phenomenal. The oysters are some of the best in the world that I've had. Um, in fact, just just a few weeks ago, I was at a two star in London um, that had oysters from Greville. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, uh, and crabs. I've even, I mean, before I moved here, but I've seen Jersey crabs on the menu in Paris. I've seen uh, maybe not the lobsters, but I've seen. I like we get the lobsters. So seafood, we are top. Yeah, yeah, top we're, we're we're known for. We're very known for, and. You know, I'm fortunate enough that it comes through the door every day, uh, kicking and squealing when we put it in the steamer. <laughs> so uh, that's something that you, that, I mean, you guys are known for doing, obviously, Keysight. The name is in the, yeah. <laughs> is there. During the, uh, during last summer, I was getting some really good local line core turbots as well. Like, really good quality. Like, better than the stuff I was getting from the south coast of the UK. So it's the best in the world. Is it harder getting even the seafood? Because like Tom, for example, and even Steve was mentioning, even the local ingredients like 
seafood. It's going overseas. Is that yeah? Is he is he harder getting there locally now? Do you guys um, have this issue? As long as you're organized, I I I mean, I don't know what they're after, but for the stuff we use at Keyside, it's um, as long as you're organized, you can get it in. The thing it does do is it drives the price up massively. So, if for some reason there's a massive demand for lobsters in Toulouse for a festival. It doesn't fucking matter what the price was yesterday. You're going to have to outpay the, demand, yeah. the Frenchman in Toulouse for his little festival. It doesn't matter. It, 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 like the majority, and the owner that I work for, he's a big, big friend of the fishing industry. He's got his own boat that he goes fishing on. He, he knows the people, he knows the industry far better than I, and I've learned a lot from him in that respect. And so, so the guy we buy our hand dive scallops off, majority of what he sells goes to France. And wow. price-wise, we're not competing against what we're not competing with the with the locals. We're competing with Europe as a whole. Oh, wow. So the majority of what he sends goes to France and Germany, um, and we're not competing. Like we've got to pay more than France and Germany will pay, which is fine. That you know, what I mean, it's a free. Is it world. because you get a lower amount? Is that the reason you get? No, like no, a- no. But why would he sell five kilo if he? Yeah. Well, that's he what can I'm only saying, get. Yeah. He can only. He can only farm as much as he can farm. Why would he sell five kilos to me at two pound a kilo cheaper than he could? You just wouldn't. You just yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's business. Supply and, that's and fine. demand. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, there's, there's nothing wrong with it, but it is just a fact, and it's something we have to think about. Yeah, so that's why the price. Yeah, obviously it makes sense. Yeah, supply and demand will drive the. the and it's price, why, as, the why, as I mentioned earlier, the lobster price went up to thirty-five quid at um, New Year's. Everyone, everyone wants a lobster for New Year's. Everyone wants a lobster. And then Christmas. did it go down and again once? It, it, it dropped down by about the six quid after, but still nowhere it was a year ago. Um, but that, that's it. You know what I mean? The price jumped up seven, seven or eight quid over the course of two weeks, just because everyone wanted one at home. Um, and we're not outpaying, you know what I mean? We're not charging more. Yeah. Well, we couldn't put the price up by £10 on the menu for that week, £12. We can't do it. We can't change the price on the party menu. Can't do any of that. Um, so we have to buy the bullet. You know what? It's crazy because I feel like I might be wrong here because, you know, I didn't work as a head chef for a long period of time. I only done up to a year. Um, when I work, it was a bit more predictable. So if you set the menu... Chances are, if you do you do a seasonal, I'm talking, mm. yeah, for the summer, spring, summer, let's say, or summer, then more or less, you will continue with these prices almost for the entire season. And then prices will rarely ever kind of like change because you had this agreement with the suppliers. But now, it's when so I find out that, you know, weekly basis, sometimes, you know, like probably from one day to another, prices are changing. I'm like... What's going on? It so, must be so much So suppliers have said to me, like, before, when you used to set up a price point with a certain thing on them, they they wouldn't check it. They'd check it every three months. they check it weekly now. Week. You can have an agreed price point for something. They'll check it every week. Make sure that they're still buying at the same price they agreed for with their suppliers so your price point is still making them the right amount of profit. They check it weekly now. It used to, wow. it used to be two, three times a year. And here's the thing. I think if this happened in any other industry, people don't necessarily bat an eye. I mean, we've probably put the prices up as well as the rest of our competition have as well by about 10% over the last two years, despite the fact we've had higher inflation in our cost prices than gas and electricity. 
That's that's crazy. Yeah. So you still you still feel like you are way behind from this point of view. So you oh, could increase it like easily with another ten, probably. Yeah, but people 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 are kicking off like like oh I can't afford to eat out. I can't afford to eat out. And before you know it, we're going to be like Paris, where it's twenty pound for a bowl of soup and. Yeah, and then, and then I'd hate for it to happen to the point where we outpriced the ability for people to do it every week. I'd hate to see that, but at the same point, something has got to give. Like for example, do like for example, Dover Soul. We've got it on our menu for I want to say fifty quid, fifty five pounds. Okay, mm-hmm. that costs forty pound. Wow. Like, by the time you put everything else on it, probably more. Well, that's not profit. You probably but we minus. Make, we make a tenner on each one. We sell, <laughs> like, it's, like, and that doesn't, that doesn't account for staff. That that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you are definitely Hours, getting time. It yeah, like, uh, that table t- to wash the napkin. I think it was about £2,000 a week we spent on, on the laundrette. Going back to fillet steak now. <laughs> Get a fillet steak because that'll be an example that everybody kind of understands. Yeah. You see it with like 10, 12 quid in the shop and expect it to get it for 15. Because yeah, no, it's so much work. more going on. It doesn't work. You buy a fillet for 12 quid in the shop, that same portion of fillet costs us nine pounds. It's not like we're, we're it's not like because you go to a restaurant, the food they buy costs half the price. Yeah. It's not. I guarantee you what you buy. Honestly, sometimes it's even cheaper than the, I the know. actual supplies. I was surprised till I got to the point of like doing invoices myself. Because you have the impression, you know, you buy it from the wholesaler, wholesaler. It sounds like, oh my God, they buy like a huge amount and they get it so much cheaper. It's not really the case. No, no, it'll be a few pence. If, if you're talking about fruit and veg, it's a few pence. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the supermarkets hyper inflate the price or something and put it in a nice bag. But the um, but generally, and then and then people, people go out, they're trying to do a pad thai or something at home. And they'll still spend 30 quid making it. And then they go, they think that they're getting overcharged when they go out to the actual Thai restaurant and spend 50 quid on it. Like, they've got to make a living here. Bro, we actually lost money last week. And and that, that, that 50p for that, it will, and you've got to think about that whenever you, whenever you, yeah, give, I, give a pay increase. Or I give. agree. There's so many things to, to kind of consider. It's, it is difficult, you know. It's a difficult industry. It's not like it's not like others. Let's no, put it this no. way. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not like others. Now going back to food, do you have things that you hate cooking and things that you like cooking? This might be a really kind of like wide and open question, but you know, things that I hate: curry. And I know you had my vinder here earlier. It's not because <laughs> I hate it. I love curry. In fact, I've eaten I've eaten at Bollywood a couple of times. I hate it because I don't know how to do it properly. Oh, okay. So you don't understand. I, I, I just, it, I can't fucking do it. <laughs> Same with sushi. I actually, to be fair, I've, got, I've probably got a better grasp of doing sushi than I have going. But I watched, I watched, because obviously Ruth said, Mevinda's brother works with me. And I watch him make a curry and I'm just like, it just seems so bizarre. Like the process, <laughs> just, you take all this oil, you blend it, and then, oh, there's about five kilo of nuts, and there's a, oh, and then tomorrow. There's so many things going on. And it's just like, and then I'm just like, oh, you've lost me. I'll come back in an hour. <laughs> come out. Oh, it's delicious. But that that's um, probably my, my most favorite thing to cook. Uh, turbo, uh, oh, champagne. Turbo with champagne. Oh, nice one. 
That sounds, that sounds, sounds good. I'm, uh, I've talked Martin into buying a hammered copper turbot pan for the for the right. Wow. It's, uh, it's 1500 euro made in France. It's this beautiful diamond copper pan with it with a, basically a lifter tray. And mm-hmm. you put, put the turbot on, maybe a few aromats, lemon dill, whatever. Bottle of champagne over the top. So you see the whole turbot you are talking about? Wow. Yeah, whole turbot. For, for, well, to be fair, you could probably, if, if you get uh, between between two very greedy people with a small whole turbot and six people, if you get the biggest one that will fit inside this kettle. Like They're called a kettle. quite a lonely experience, that. Yeah, and it's it's what I want for the restaurant in the summer. You know, I'll carry a couple of different sizes, maybe a, a small one for a couple of two, but if you get a get a pre-order maybe maybe it might still on pre-order with a hundred because to get a term big enough to feed six people as a main course it's probably going to cost us <laughs> 200 quid so we can't be sitting on them but as a special imagine that going after with five mates pre-order um and this this massive copper pan comes out to the table take the lid off lift the turbot out someone's there taking the fillets off the turbot for you putting them on your plates wow. and the other person's there with all the juices and the champagne at the bottom of the copper tray a bit of butter and then sourcing over the turbot so, you know, it sounds like, very very fine dining in my, I, in my view. Just, well it's it's, it's basic at this point but it's you know, not it's the not, experience yeah fine dining yes refined dining no it's gonna look like someone's dropped a bit of fish on a plate and you've got this super I know, but the sauce. experience itself I'm yeah, talking it's really it's really oh, it's really I, I love that I love, and the extravagance of a whole but at the same time is it really that extravagant it's just a whole it's just a whole fish yeah it's just a fish it's very basic as it's, at its core yeah yeah just that with a few Jersey Royals that the sauce made from the right the champagne might be a bit extravagant with the champagne <laughs> poured over the top and the sauce of all the juices that's come out of the turbot and I was going to ask it's nothing you. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you have a if you have like a signature dish, but that might become your yeah, it, that it, might become your signature it's dish. Be, it's going to be the turbo, <laughs> but that just, sounds that sounds interesting. But I think it's just it's such a showpiece as well. Imagine being on that balcony. I mean, have you been to the restaurant? Yeah, before? yeah. Imagine being on that balcony overlooking all the boats. You know, lovely summer's day, Riddell glassware, a nice bottle of an oak chardonnay. Maybe a pulling Benny Montrachet, and you know this. This giant copper pan comes out and he has taken off the bone at the table. And he, oh, it's just that, that to me is what Keyside should be. That, and I hope we can get there. Do you see any trends in the, in the, in this industry? Like, uh, you know, for example, when I, before I left, yeah. I mean, I'm sure before, way before that, but like sous vide was like, everybody was sous videoing anything. It was to the point that I'm like, Got we go. It got ridiculous. Yeah. It got, you got like ridiculous. to the point that it was sweeting like every single thing. And I'm like, wow, we're moving like, and then it kind of like dropped slightly. And then it, obviously there was a, a period with foams. It was a period with gels. I mean, that's still kind of going, but not at crazy level. I mean, it's nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's something yeah. wrong, but do you see something like this now in, 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 in the industry? I'll be perfectly honest. You're asking the wrong man. I'm just classical for for. I've never, never worked anywhere super modern. I I always worked in one stars where it was, you know, copper pans and we make we cook the veg in the pans in foaming butter and we do it just before we serve it. None of this. Oh, you know, we'll steam the fennel at seventy five degrees for three hours. <laughs> Get fucked. Get fucked. <laughs> No. Yeah, it was it was a crazy period. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you know just in case you kind of like 
keeping up today, not necessarily that you're trying to the, implement. Um, I'll tell you what, though, is actually, I, I'm guilty of following the trends on one thing, and that is I'm an absolute fangirl for Cedric Gillette. And when I was head pastry, I was... I had all the I had all the Pavoni molds and everything was dipped and glazed and sprayed <laughs> to look like a fruit or a chocolate bar or a bloody it's like the apples from the garden. They ended up as they went out as an apple. I mean, I'm not the first to do it. But, um, yeah. What else did I do? I had I had uh, a tiramisu shaped as a coffee bean. It, that that was probably my favourite. Oh, that one nice. that one looks amazing. Um, few others, few others. I think oh no, my favourite one actually. Tell a lie. Was that you know the dessert peach melba? No. So it's uh, vanilla cream, raspberries, and peach. Yeah. So they're the three elements of the peach well, the melba. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, and um, but it, the, the raspberries has to be raspberry sauce. So I, I had this peach mold that I lined with a whipped peach mousse, and then had a carrot, had a raspberry sauce in the middle. And when you cut into it. The raspberry sauce the plate and that that was wow cool. that was a lot of effort yeah, well. yeah. Oh, that, that was a ball like and and getting it so so it didn't come out after it defrosted oh mate it was a <laughs> logistical nightmare but i got it i got it and then i walked out before it got on the menu <laughs> they're probably still in the freezer <laughs> honestly i felt bad about that one <laughs> great <laughs> Spent all this money and time developing this. I mean, it was all my equipment. I spent the money on the equipment. Oh, okay. But um, I spent all this time there developing this. Dude. Everyone was like, oh, fucking hell, Jerry, this is amazing. Wow, this is walked up. <laughs> yeah, talking about classic, isn't that? Yeah, I, I can see that even the, even talking about this turbot and the ingredients you kind of like, we talk about till now and the, the way you kind of like run the kitchen and the ideas you have. I... I knew that, you know, you are a bit more towards classic than, you know, jumping on each one of the trends and trying to be something else. You know, classic would always be classic and it will stay there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a good base to begin with. And then, yeah, obviously you can take it in different directions. But do you have a favorite cuisine? Classic French. French is yeah. your... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> French, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Foire, I was expecting that, but yeah. Foire and, you know, maybe Italian to a certain extent. Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Just, Overall, yeah, yeah Mediterranean yeah, is interesting. It's yeah. just um, fresh and... Simple. Yeah, they, they all based simple. on ingredients. They, yeah. Three ingredients is a dish. A ratatouille. Or... A bloody, I mean, there's just there's so much of this. It's, it's got to be fresh. I mean, I know I'm a big guy, but I actually quite like my light food. A lot of the modern stuff is light, but it just lacks flavour to me. I'm like it's got it's it's got to learn to be a bit more punchy or or like when everyone through that stage of doing spherification, they'd make this amazing flavored whatever puree or liquid, and then they'd spherify it and then oh wow cool I'll eat that little bubble, and then you're like oh that tastes amazing and then you're left with this condom in your mouth that you have to chew on and it's like ugh, I hated all that <laughs> I hated that. What's your uh, process of developing? Uh, all these dishes i mean you've got a base of of classic french probably and how do you adapt it to jersey what what's your what's your process do you have a process whenever you add something to a menu how do you decide what goes in the menu what's right what's wrong for, for me it's seasoned and if someone comes to me and goes this is this is from down the road cool i'll i'll take it and i'll run with it um 
that that that's always the driving force. I'll be honest, somewhere like Keyside, it, the menu the menu is as is. It's not overly seasonal, and it it's it's just an institution. It's that you can go there and you you know what the menu is going to be. You've been there ten times before, and it's always it's always and because it's massive, it is bloody massive. It's like four pages. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're always going to have some. You can always have something different every day of the week, and you won't get bored. You want to offer variety. Yeah, um, but but generally speaking, before before I took this role, it was if someone if someone gave me something local down the road, I'd take it and I'd run with it, and I might do something. I I take. I'd take my notebook out of everything, say it was an apple or a pear, everything pear related I've ever done. And I might go, and I, I always looked at it and went, how can we slightly jerseyfy this? Mm. And uh, Jersey Dairy, or maybe swap the beef out for uh, retired Jersey Dairy cows, or what else is the island famous for? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, or black butter or just something something a bit different make a sauce with black butter yeah maybe. yeah I'd incorporate them for the local yeah yeah like an apple sauce but made from uh the, the black apple sauce do you have a fa- do you have a favorite restaurant here on the island i mean that's always something that kind um, of like wouldn't say i do i i am a frequenter of uh Kyoto and Sunfire. I'm probably at Kyoto more often, but only because it's a third of the price. <laughs> Couldn't eat a Sunfire every week, could you? Um, <laughs> big fan of number 10. That was never tried it, but that, I I've I've had two good meals there. Um where else do we go? Um forgotten the name of it, but we've been there three or four times. It's a new favourite, that Thai place up near Green Street. Little Red, I don't know, I forgot what it's called. But um, that's amazing. If you want to, I forgot the name of it. But, um, <laughs> that is all good. Uh, it's up near Green I'm Street. Sh- it's opposite, literally opposite my flat. I can see it. I can oh, see it from my back yeah. balcony. Um, where else? Where else? Uh, I, th- I, I had a good meal at Trezor. Obviously, I've not been a regular because it's not been open long enough. But got a wonderful wine list there. They have a wonderful. Yeah, wine the wine list, well. and he's quite affordable. Very I would affordable. say for very affordable. You, you you'll find. Primo bottles of wine in there, cheaper than you can find them from wine merchants. That's crazy, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's because you know they have a real passion of of for wine. Because I mean, you know, obviously, uh, he's been doing. It's this just for... as important. Yeah. And um, I, I'll, I, I've only recently started doing it, but I will check a wine list before I go to three hours somewhere, and it will stop me eating there. I could look. I could quite like the look of the food, but if the wines are all meh and they're like. Oof, expensive. I ain't, I ain't going. I ain't going. Yeah, makes sense. Do you have comfort food? What's your comfort food? Let's say you're on, on your day off. It's like, you know what? This is my... Carbonara. Carbonara will, will, will sort but it. But done properly. Yeah. I have a freezer full of guanciale. <laughs> I have nice. fresh pecorino. Like, it's... Beautiful. Done, done properly. But yeah. a proper... But it still only takes 10 minutes. Everyone goes, yeah. oh, if you do it... Oh. No, it takes 10 minutes still. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just got to make sure you have the right ingredients. The fat around the, like the yeah. fat slowly. You don't want to, yeah, nice one. Yeah, beautiful. I like Italian food. Oh, mine. It's my favorite. Yeah. I'm Mediterranean in general. You know, I'm like, give me more of that. Don't get me wrong. French is okay. I do like certain parts, but I just feel, you know, like that. that's me, Mediterranean style all the way. 
I do like a bit of Romanian as well, but we are heavy on pork and all yeah. that. Oh my! <laughs> what, are the, what were they making? Oh, what did I have the other week? It was, it was like a mixture of pork and beef mince. And then this, this, this fucking threw me off. They mixed raw rice through the beef and pork mix, uh, and then they put make... it inside a pepper. And then they like boiled the pepper. <laughs> I was like, I was like, honestly, he, he had it on the stove for like eight hours, and even though it was on there for yeah. hours, I'm like. Yeah, it needs to cook good, But it was, it was actually quite nice. It's good, but I think you need, well, the recipe I know, you cook the rice a bit, you know, like you do for risotto. So you give it a bit more, a bit more love than that. But although, you know, even that way it works well, you know, that's probably the emergency one, just get it all in there. But yeah, it takes like the slow cooking. Unfortunately, the peppers here, you know, because if you use bell peppers, it's not the same like the ones at home. The ones at home, I remember. He did say this. Yeah, the bell peppers will not get you the same results. Plus, they are really thick, so that's why you need to to take. It takes that, that long. The ones at home, I can't remember like exactly how they're called, but they're thinner, like the layer of the pepper itself, so it cooks faster, and it also has a different flavor, obviously. So that what makes it makes it a bit to cook faster, and also they are smaller, so that's that's more or less, you know, a bit more. They look better as well in the place. You know, you put like a whole bell pepper in them. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> it looks a bit weird, but yeah, that, yeah. And sometimes they're served with with tomato sauce, but the sweet tomato sauce, yeah, just yeah, it was. kind of like that. Yeah, it was. It's it's interesting. Yeah, interesting one. That's probably a spin off on sarmale. Have you ever tried the Romanian? So it's basically kind of the same mixture, but just wrapped in cabbage leaves. And cooked more or less the same way, but it's usually in combination with some smoked meat. So you'll have some smoke to give them some sort of like smoky flavor. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. If you get someone, you know, that can oh, cook that. I've got that. a team full of... Oh, you got a full... Oh, okay then. Yeah. That's I, I, all my... Uh, 90%. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I know Romania. The Romanians here in Jersey are a strong backbone of the industry. They they still going strong. Uh, for how long i don't know we'll see but yeah they, i know quite a few that they're still going which yeah mm. fair we need them i guess i mean from my point of view we need them not that i'm romanian but what would kiss i do if let's say they all walk out what would other, well, many they, other or, places? Or, or if they all had to go home or for yeah. whatever reason we'd be yeah, fucked just, yeah. as as would every many, restaurant I, in town yeah like, like in bloody all of them they like yeah. and thank god they are here and thank god they work as hard as they do is all i can say do you have any restaurants that you would like to see in Jersey or different kind of food here? I mean, with being a small island as you are, we are. I'd like to see more people doing... I'll tell you what we need. We need a Five Guys or something like it. <laughs> you have Five Guys, right? Honestly. Uh, I, well, not in my hometown, which is kind of small, but I know I know the one you're talking about, yeah. Five Guys. Next time you're in London, on a connecting flight or whatever. Honestly. We, we, I, mean, I never been to find. Do you, do you know, know anywhere in Jersey where you can get a really good burger? Really, just. I mean, we, are we talking fast food or in either general? Either or. I've, 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 I've not. Mark Jordan used to be well, well known for his burger, but I know I, I actually never tried it. I work a bit in the kitchen just as an apprentice, and it looked good, and probably but it was good, but I don't know. Yeah. There are not probably many places, you're right. I mean, there is one which they do some dirty burgers, you know, the how is it, Hungry Man? Must, must have been probably Hungry Man. But those are a bit more like the cheap side, the cheap kind of like burgers, not, 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 I wouldn't say. I, I just, I'd like to see a good, and also I'd like to see 
a fast like a fast food restaurant that's open till half eleven, like and one <laughs> yeah. and, and two two a.m. at the weekend. Yeah. Oh god, honestly, you know, you finish work <laughs> at finish work at one on a Saturday or something. There's nowhere to. I thought McDonald's they do no. Not till one. No, I don't know. I, I have no, I, not till one. I don't. McDonald's know. is not my favorite, so I try McDonald's probably long ago. KFC. Yeah, KFC, I'll take that. Yeah, it feels a bit more. It feels more like I don't know. It feels like chicken. <laughs> Let's put it this way. And the other one is a bit more of a, like a mixture of like dodgy stuff. But yeah, for whoever likes it, I have nothing against. I also, them. I just like to see um, more. Just something different. Everyone's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like, I'd like to say Keyside's a bit better than some of the competition around that square but um ultimately we're all basically doing the same thing you could all go into any of them and get a fish and chips or a mm. burger yeah or a steak or a pan fried sea bass yeah could someone for the love of god do something <laughs> a bit different have you ever considered opening your own i mean i know you're still young you have yeah, yeah, tons yeah. of i have i yeah? have and i will i've just bought oh, my nice i uh, recently uh bought all the stuff to, so my wife can start her own business. Wow. And who knows in a few years, I'd be lying. Ah, exciting. Yeah. yeah that's, that's great, yeah, because it's, yeah, it's one of those, I think, you know, at some point, if you're doing, you work in this industry. You've got to, you've got to, if those people who don't at least aim for, um, at the very least, personal freedom to do what they want. Yeah. Would you do it when, here in Jersey? Is that the plan I, or? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I think the more I stay here, the more I say yes, because um, the tax. I Honestly, every time I go back home in the UK, I do a bit of work for someone. I do the tax and I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> you come out with less than half. Yeah, crazy. crazy. Okay, so yeah, that's 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 good. How do you balance? I mean, you mentioned a few times that you've got, you've got your wife. Uh, how do you balance work with because you do a lot of hours I mean you yeah, say sometimes you know we don't we don't she works so many is hours she doing week. is she at the key uh, side no or no, she... no no she's a she works she looks after kids and runs the entertainment well uh, looks after the entertainment of the moon in the evenings through the summer um, but she kind of does so many hours we, we don't we have one we're lucky to get On average, 90% of the time, actually, it'd be fair to say. Right, let me start again. 90% of the time, we get... uh, 90% of the time, we get one night off a week together. That's it. The rest of the time, I finish... I probably get home between 10 and 11. She's just got home. Difficult. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's what it is. We're both young. It doesn't doesn't really bother either of us. Because we'll still stay up till 2 in the morning every day, making sure you get that time together like even if it is just playing cards with a glass of wine like we have that every night um i'm quite fortunate at the minute i don't really start work till half nine ten so i can yeah and we have that time together then and then the one night the one night we have together we do something we do something good we do we like we always eat eat out go to a cocktail bar nice make it make it something but the honest answer to the question is we don't I, I haven't got an answer for that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good, I guess, in a way that she's in hospitality as well. Yep. So she understands, I guess. 
uh, same when I started with my wife, my girlfriend at the time, she was working in hospitality. I was working in hospitality. So it was a bit of an understanding, you know, like if you need to do extra hours, you need to do extra hours, what are you going to do about it, you know? But I think it, it, it's such a hard way to make it work, you know, if let's say one is in hospitality and the other one is in finance. I can never see that work. Yeah. I can't. I exactly. Just, it would... Um... I see people trying to make it work and I'm just like, I just don't see it. <laughs> it feels like a distant relationship more or less. I don't see a way out. Like, I couldn't, I mean, me personally, I, I can't imagine getting home every night at five o'clock. It's, oh. You wouldn't know what to do with I'm, yourself. Honestly, I'd be awful. <laughs> I don't know, I'd probably be an alcoholic or... A few Xanax or something. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta be doing something. I got and I get that there's hobbies and all sorts, but imagine, imagine coming home at five and then your partner's. I can't. I can't do that. I, I get pissed off if I get an evening off and she hasn't got the same one. Like because sometimes you can't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it, the honest answer to the question is we we haven't we haven't got got it solid. But one evening, well, I think one 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 proper evening out every week is more than most people who actually work nine to five and live together. And, yeah, and that's that's. And if you did the most of it, then I'm yeah, sure. yeah, that's the, that's the, that is a sad truth behind it. And then, um, well, it's, it's not sad for us, but I, I know a lot of couples who, who both work nine to five who don't have half the actual experience out experiences together going out and. Oh, we did this. We did that. Oh, we tried that. Oh, blah blah blah. Like even even though even though as I said, you know, we'll stay up late late at night every night because we both work late. Doesn't mean we will go to bed straight away. We'll still, like I told my wife how to play poker. Like we'll, we'll have poker tournaments, <laughs> a glass of wine. You know what I mean? Just yeah. nothing, nothing crazy. But we'll we'll do that as well. Do you eat the stuff together? No matter yeah, yeah. What, what that might be. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool, man. I'm I'm happy that you know however you find the balance you yeah. you balance it you know whether you know let's say once a week is all you get you know together like proper day and it works that's great it's still not even a full day it's like five <laughs> it's an evening nice one okay so professionally professionally what's jamie mcdonald's plan you know for the coming years do you have something in mind whether it's short term medium and long or just something overall do you have something that you know i have a couple different plans one of which i cannot talk about because there's an nda no problem um, we'll we'll, we'll get you on. you know in future podcasts <laughs> tom said similar stuff so i'm like no Oh, he's all good. Uh, I'm not going to try to get information. Genuinely, an NDA on it. Um, and personally, I don't know. It's um, I, I've had a lot of different ideas, a lot of things I want to do. I'd still love to do something pastry related. I, I, I definitely prefer prefer the pastry. Um, it's it's. Um, Would you like to continue as a head chef? Is that not really something? Uh, not necessarily. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy doing it. And particularly the short term over the next, you, you actually said the next few years, next couple of years, I want to master the craft of being a successful business and we're better to do that than somewhere like Keyside and Victoria that are an institution that are very, and you probably have someone, profitable. you know, that's 
that's already there, the owner that yeah, you the can, owner, yeah, yeah. You can He's get mentoring me really well, and over the next couple of years, I have no no desire to change that. I I, I can cook to the highest standards in the highest restaurants in 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 in, in Europe. I've I've proved that. What I've not proved, and what very few twenty five year olds get the ability to prove, is that they can run multi million pound businesses. If I can get there in a couple of years, excellent. Is the plan? Are you? Is the plan to stay? I mean, we kind of touch on that to remain in Jersey, or uh, the, yeah, I th- honestly at this point, I think so. I mean, I miss the UK. I miss going out. I miss having all the different exciting things to do. However, honestly, you know when you get you, you know when you get used to something, the idea of going back to not having that comfort or that security, you're like, fucking how do I live with that? And the UK is basically becoming a failed state. Like, I've, I had a mate die last night. Like, it's fucking... I, every, no, it's right. I mean, it happens all the time. Like, I've got stab wounds. It's not a fucking nice place to be. It's, um, like, the the UK has gone down. And the more I look at Jersey, the more I think of how safe it is. And the more I think about all my mates in the UK, what they go through, what I've been through, like, do I want to bring my wife into that? No. Do I want to? Do I want to open a business surrounded by that? No. So the more I, the more I look at it logistically, the more I think, you know what? I can live in Jersey. It's a nice place. <laughs> oh, nice one. I mean, yeah. I, I just I, I just miss I just miss going out. I miss having that large circle of friends and having all those different disposable activities. That 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 missing that will never go away. But this is safety, the mm. security, and the beauty of the island will. When you we'll balance them, we'll you know, Jersey kind of wins. And the tax, and the tax. I get Good. it. <laughs> <laughs> the tax is even bigger, yeah. like balance. People over here moan about the tax. I'm like, fucking hell. How much you want? Oh, I'm fucking Because si- they know I'm on 16%. I'm on 16%. It's fucking bullshit. I'm like, mate, mate, if you're in the UK right now, you'd be paying double that. I was like, what's your social security? Six. I was like, double it. Like, yeah, just, because people have an experience, you know, like the, yeah. But once you get used to this, I'm like, I'm never going back. <laughs> I'm never going back. <laughs> nice one. So, if people want to find more about your cooking, about yourself, are you on social media? Are you posting? Uh, you... I am. I'm not massive, uh, but it, well, where do I they am. find you? It's uh, Instagram uh, at the big lad underscore Facebook uh, as well. Or? Never on it. Never no. So I'm very good at replying to your messages. I've never <laughs> on it. I've never on. It. I don't even think I have the Facebook app. So you just have the you get the messages. You have the messenger basically for it. Yeah. Okay. I don't have yeah. the Facebook app. I'm never on that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I don't do that much with Instagram, which I probably should because I do I'm with my cooking channel and all that, and obviously even with the podcast, but. Yeah, I, I should definitely put a bit more thought into it. But there's so many platforms and it's just me. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, trying my best, obviously, to spread the news, help people, you know, have the industry if I can. I mean, I do like, you know, that people like you, the more I, the more people I meet, the more the messages kind of are consistent, you know, help us with, with bringing people here, make it easier, help us, you know, with this, help us with that. So I really hope that someone is listening and I do too. Be... And uh, if you scratch our backs, we'll scratch yours. Because <laughs> I'm fucking bored of not having any stuff. And you know, when you get when, when we get these nine month work visa people over here, they're so fucking grateful. They're so happy. Their work ethic uh, is amazing. And then we transform their lives, not only ours. It, it's not a selfish. It's a win win. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a selfish act. Yes, yes, they might be taking home 
15 grand at the end of their stint from our society. But I mean, grand scheme of Jersey, that's fuck all. They honestly, I, I remember a good friend, I'd call him now, his name's Alex. He's from Kenya. He worked for us for nine months as a KP. We gave him all the shifts he wanted. Like we didn't force him to work. Yeah. We didn't force him to work work seven days a week or six days a week. But he wanted he wanted all the hours he could get. Um, on his day off, he helped me move house like for cash yeah. and he was just here. For, he was people, after the bag. Yeah. After the bag, he was such a nice guy, and he didn't want to spend any penny. He wanted to take it all home to his family so he could buy them a farm. Yeah, wow. I think he had a dream of 19 grand in the nine months and he managed to hit it. And honestly, he came here and they, you know, those tire shoes that they wear over there. Yeah. Made from old tires. And he, it was snowing and he was just fucking cycling around on these things. <laughs> and, uh, fair around. And, and like that, I've seen him, I've, I watch him on WhatsApp and he sends me a message every now and again. He's now gone home to Kenya, bought iron farm, transforming his family's life off the back of the opportunity that we gave him. And why should we make them jump through such hoops to have these opportunities is beyond me. Especially because it's not like, it's not like there are other options, you know, it's it's it's, so, it's not like you're taking Jersey's born people job. No, you no, know? no. It's, it's just more of a like, not come if you're interested lo- from local, local people, come if you're interested, not but if you're not, let it, us bring others. Yeah, there was, I couldn't even, I couldn't find anyone to get him to move house. He, he helped me haul all the stuff. I couldn't find anyone to watch pots. And even when he was on pots, uh, he'd do everything. Um, <laughs> like, he'd help in the nightclub. He'd, oh. he'd like... But that's when everything. you have a vision and everything. a dream. And you... Yeah, he had that vision. He had the dream. And it was for a small farm for him and his family. And he's Well there. done to he's him. Yeah, yeah, kudos to the guy. I look forward to him coming back. Is he coming back? Uh, yeah, he said he wanted to. Jamie, I really appreciate this conversation. It was great, but I know you have 200 people waiting for you there. So no, I'm sure like, if, if, you, if you don't go, you know, they will scream. <laughs> and yeah, you have service to do. And I appreciate it even more knowing that you came in your basement. No, no, break. no, I appreciate it. It's been nice to... Yeah, it's a nice great conversation. Yeah, I, yeah. I honestly, the more I do this, the more I enjoy this, because, you know, people have different angles, different perspectives. And I'm kind of a bit behind, you know, because I left like six years ago and finding all this, I like kind of getting up to date and people telling their story. I, I make friends. I mean, yeah. I genuinely believe, you know, that we'll talk from now on, you know, we'll probably, I'm probably going to go for, for dinner and be like, where is the head chef? I want to have a word with him. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, it. it's all about that. It's all about that. And forming all these friendships i would say you yeah know? and we need to make a better community in jersey in the hospitality industry and it's something yeah it's something that i think you're leading so and then you know podcast is the it's kind of it, it, it's a great way of kind of spreading words and news and all that whether it's video or audio because we're doing in both formats hopefully it gets to the right people other people are encouraged and you know i genuinely want you know other people you know to come experience this it's probably something new for you. It was new to me till I started it. Yep. How many and, have you done now? Uh, so this is, I think is the fourth or fifth? Fourth, I think. Fifth, no, fifth. So yeah, hopefully we're getting better at it. It's just, you know, it's a process, but I, I totally enjoy it. And I, I said, you know, if two people are listening, five people, it, it doesn't really matter that much. Me just having this yeah. conversation with you, it's so much more valuable than anything else. So that's what I enjoy the most. 
Thank you so much. No, I really you. appreciated this thank conversation. You for me. I've enjoyed I'm it. I'm sure we'll do we'll do more in the future. See you around. Small island. <laughs>